Hi, everybody. <clears throat> you know, if you were with us, I had the privilege of being with you last week on Zoom. It's even better in person. Um, <laughs> that's right. One of the things we talked about last week is how this is, this is a little awkward. There's kind of an elephant in the room uh, with this. I, I want to preach Christ to you. I want to I want to show you who he is, but there's this other thing going on here um, where you guys, after we get done, I'm going to leave, and you guys are going to vote on whether or not to receive me into your family, and uh, it's kind of an elephant in the room, and that's okay. Uh, that's part of how God works to uh, get things done in his, in his church. It's part of how God works to raise up leaders and I embrace that and we embrace that, but last week and then today, one of the things that I've thought about, uh, thinking about what, what text do I want to show you? What kinds of things do I want to uh, teach you and proclaim to you? You know, this time it's not just teaching, it's worship leading. So what kinds of things do I want to lead you in how you worship? And my heart and my mind went to what probably my favorite chapter in the New Testament, John chapter 10 which is really all about spiritual leadership. It's all about what it means to be a spiritual leader. And since spiritual leadership is the elephant in the room, maybe we should talk about it. You guys can see what kind of leader I am. Uh, we can talk together about what kind of spiritual leadership we could do here in the city. But beyond all of that, we can look to Christ, our great leader, together, the one who unifies us already and worship him. So toward that end, I want to show you the second half of John chapter 10 today. So if you have your Bible or even right there in the worship guide, um, it's printed. Um, let's read this together. If you remember from last week or if you're just jumping in this week, a moment of context. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, which were sort of a religious and political group that were trying to get the people to follow God's law. Well intended. God's law is a good thing. Uh, but they were heavy-handed about it. And Jesus is confronting them. He's also, there's also a man there who was born blind that Jesus had just healed. And even though this man had no social credibility, in healing him, Jesus had given this man a platform to speak. Really beautiful. So that's the context. And we're going to jump in halfway through what Jesus has to say. We'll start with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep, and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again, and no one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. And there was again 
a division among the Jews because of these words. And many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, there is so much here that we could walk through, stop, appreciate, contemplate, incorporate into our life. Uh, we could be here all night with this passage, but we only have a really short amount of time. So I pray that in this time you would help us to see the things, hear the things, receive the things that you have for us in this. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together would be pleasing in your sight. You're the Lord, you're the rock, and you are the redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we jumped in halfway through the talk here, halfway through the Good Shepherd Discourse, and it really comes in two parts. This is the second part where Jesus says he's the Good Shepherd. Well, the first part we did last week, and that's when Jesus says he's the door to the sheep pen. And in this passage, Jesus is doing what he does very often. He tells a story in a metaphorical fashion, a parable, or in this case, an allegory, that if you just sort of halfway listen, it's really hard to catch what he's talking about. Here's Jesus talking about sheep and sheep pens and shepherds and thieves and robbers. It just kind of sounds like he's telling a nice story. But he's not just telling a nice story. He's giving a valuable lesson on what it means to be a leader in his kingdom, what it means to be a leader in the world. And the first part of the lesson was that just like shepherds, good shepherds, true shepherds, go in and out the sheep pen by way of the door, and thieves and robbers go over the wall, he himself is the door. He himself is the credential, if you will, for true spiritual leadership. That was the first part. He wants these Pharisees who are all wrapped up in law keeping. He wants this man who had just had his life renewed to know that what lies before them in God's kingdom, Jesus is the key. So that was part one. Today is part two, and Jesus shifts the metaphor. He starts with, I'm the door, and now he goes on to, I'm the good shepherd. Now, part of this metaphorical shift would have been kind of natural. In the ancient Near East, they kept sheep in corrals or pens like we often do today, but unlike today where the gate is very wide so we can get our F-250 and our four-wheeler through it, back in the old days in the ancient Near East, the gates were very narrow because one shepherd needed to come in at a time. And whoever the chief shepherd was, the one who owned the sheep, very often at night, uh, that person would lay down in the doorway. If it was wider, it would, they would lay down crossways. If it was longer, they would lay down long ways. And the idea is that none of these sheep are going to get out, and no wolf is going to get in without getting through the shepherd, the door. So it's very natural for Jesus to talk about being the door and then to say, now wait a minute, let me show you something else. I'm also the good shepherd. The people would have said, yeah, of course. So his passage today, this second half, I'm the good shepherd, he's still talking about the same thing, what it means to be a spiritual leader, 
All through the Bible, the metaphor of shepherds and sheep are used to talk about leadership. And in this story, God's people, that's us, we're the sheep, and the shepherds are the people who lead. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. What Jesus means exactly by I'm the good shepherd is something that's foundational, something that's critical, and something that's very, very basic to the Christian faith. Now sometimes, especially in moments of crisis or moments of big decisions in our life or in our church, kind of like today, we forget basic foundational truths. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, I saw the movie, The Mighty Ducks. The first one is the best one. Remember The Mighty Ducks, grown-ups, remember? Kids, have your parents shown you The Mighty Ducks movie? Maybe you should talk about that as a family if you haven't seen it yet. It's about kids that play hockey. And I remember watching that, and the main character in the movie, the main kid, his name is Charlie. Well, that's my name. Well, I watched this movie as a fourth or fifth grader, and the main character's name is Charlie, and he's discovered he loves hockey. And obviously, this movie, uh, somebody is speaking to me, because my name's also Charlie, I must love hockey, and this is, hockey is my destiny. <laughs> I loved the movie, I wanted to be that character. So I signed up for a local uh, hockey league when I was in fifth grade, and it was in the middle of summer, outdoor hockey that you did on rollerblades. They do that in Mighty Ducks 2. But Mighty Ducks won its ice skates. But I signed up for a rollerblade hockey league, and I was so excited because hockey was my destiny. And the day came for the first practice. This was a critical moment in my life. This is when I step into my vocation. This is when I step into my destiny. And I get all ready. I'm looking forward to it all day. I can't wait. And we finally go to practice. I get out of the car. I put on my rollerblades, and I look back in the car, and there's no hockey stick. I left my hockey stick at the house. I was so wrapped up in the greatest day of my life, the day that I emerged as a hockey champion, that I left my hockey stick at the house. You can't play hockey without a hockey stick. You can't play without skates, but not without a hockey stick. It's basic. And sometimes in critical moments, we forget the basic things. My coach lent me his hockey stick, but he was left-handed. So I had a, and I'm right-handed, so I had this left-handed wonky hockey stick, and I played terrible. And that ruined my destiny as a hockey player. So we don't want to forget basic things. So what does Jesus mean when he says he's the good shepherd? Well, it's something very basic. It's more basic than a hockey stick is to a hockey destiny. It's, it's maybe the most basic truth to the Christian faith. Are you ready? It's that Jesus is the Savior. Shepherd, Savior, same thing. Jesus is the Savior. See, sheep are not very smart animals. Sheep are very prone to ruining their own lives, getting in big trouble, being attacked by wolves, walking off cliffs. Shepherd, sheep need shepherds, not just to lead them, but a shepherd leading the sheep is saving their life. That's why in the scriptures, when everything was just going terrible, God said, my people are like sheep without a shepherd. They're killing themselves. Sheep even do this thing. They can do this thing where they, they lay down to go to sleep, and if they get too comfortable and they lean too far back, all of a the sudden, they're stuck. They get stuck on their back, and they can't get up, 
and if a shepherd doesn't come and turn them over, they will literally die there. Shepherds are saviors for the sheep. And what we see in this passage, Jesus is claiming to be the savior for God's people. That's the, maybe the most basic thing that you need to know in order to be a Christian is that Jesus is the savior. You can't be a Christian without knowing that. So Jesus is telling this group of religious leaders and this new, uh, brand new leader, uh, this man who had just been healed, he's giving them a lesson that he's the savior. He started with he's the credentialing power and now he's really telling why. Because he's the savior. And in this passage, we see that Jesus is the savior in three ways. And what I want to do is here in the next 10 minutes, I want to walk you through the three ways that Jesus himself claims to be the savior for God's people. And then I want to just draw some connections to what we're doing here. I'm trying to be a leader. We're all trying to be leaders. We hope that we can lead somehow and this church can be leaders here in the city. Okay? So three things, three ways Jesus is the savior according to him in this text. Number one, Jesus is the savior who saves his people from sin. Very basic, right? The most basic things are the most important things. Jesus is the Savior who saves his people from sin. Look at verse 11. Right at the beginning, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he who is a hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. But I, in the Greek it says, I myself, I myself am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. In the ancient Near East, shepherding was not just a day job, it was an identity, at least for the main shepherd. Sometimes they would hire people to help out, but the main shepherd, that wasn't just his job. He's not, it's not like working part-time at Starbucks when you're in college. It's like your destiny. That was their whole world was these sheep. The sheep were not only their like family pets, they were also their income. They were also how they got made their clothes from wool. Sometimes they were a source of food. The sheep also were sources for going and worshiping God, the sacrifice. The sheep were everything to the shepherd. So when a wolf would come, to attack the sheep. The way that you would know who the chief shepherd was is the one who doesn't run away. Because the people who are just, hey, this is, I'm just working this part time while, while I'm in med school, they're not gonna stay when the wolf comes. But the chief shepherd, the one who's very, not just income, but very identity is wrapped up with these sheep. They're staying. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Kids, remember that story? That was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid, and it's still one of my favorite stories. Now, John 10 and David and Goliath were really talking about something now. David was a shepherd boy who, by God's providence, through the, the word of a prophet Samuel, was anointed the king of Israel. But he didn't become the king right away, and he was just a boy. So he's kind of in this awkward place where he knew he was going to be king, but he's sort of waiting for it to work out. It's taken a long time. And God's people, the Israelites, were attacked by the big bad Philistines. And they sent 
Goliath, their giant champion, big, scary warrior, nine foot tall champion Goliath to go out and say, send me somebody to fight me. And all the Israelites were terrified. And David happened to be there because he was bringing his big brother's lunch. David heard this and he said, why is nobody going out to fight this guy? We're the people of God. He said, and David steps out and he goes, I'll fight him. And everybody's going, you're just a boy. And King Saul comes up and he says, you're just a boy. You need to put on all this armor if you're going to go fight the giant. And David said, I don't need your armor. And I might be just a boy, but this man is cursing God in his glory. We need to do something. And by the way, did you know that I was a shepherd? He said, I'm a shepherd. I've gone out and I've fought the bear to protect my sheep. I've gone out and I've fought the wolf to protect my sheep. I went out and I grabbed the lion by the mane and I laid it down to protect the sheep. Who is this Philistine giant? And we know how that story goes. He goes out on behalf of the people of God. He lays the giant down. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, the wolf comes. The hired hands, they flee. But I'm the one who goes out to the wolf and I lay down my life for the sake of the sheep. It's like King David putting his life on the line to save God's people from the giant. Well, what is Jesus here to save us from? Who's the wolf? Well, it's sin. It's the wolf that's been biting at our heels since the day we were born. The sin that entangles us, the sin that ruins our life, the sin that we just can't fight on our own. And we might look to political leaders or Bible teachers or whoever to try to help us deal with sin, but they're just hired hands. Jesus is the good shepherd who doesn't just put his life on the line, he actually lays it down. He goes one step further than David because the way he defeated the wolf of sin for good was by falling under its power. We say in the Apostles' Creed that he died and he descended into hell. He was covered by death. And then we sang just a moment ago and in Christ alone, bursting forth in glorious day. In his resurrection, death was defeated once and for all. He says, I'm, I myself, me, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. So what does this mean for our quest to be good leaders in Portland? What does this mean to be good leaders in our family and among our friends? What does this mean for Hope Church? And what does this mean for Pastor Charlie? Well, it means that we gotta stop trying to lead by pointing people to hired hands to save them. Like the Pharisees, we so often, we so often get caught telling people if you would only act right, and your sin would be taken care of. If you only stop doing this and start doing this, your sin will be okay. Just like the Pharisees, we get caught up, especially with politics. If you'd only stop supporting that person and you would support this person, if you'd only listen to this secret awesome political podcast, you would understand the world. Just like the Pharisees, and Jesus is saying, hired hands, hired hands, hired hands. The wolf comes. It's never going to work. I, I myself, I lay my life down. Do you see it? 
Okay, he's the good shepherd. He's the savior who saves us from sin. And second thing, he is the good shepherd, he's, which means he's the savior who saves us into communion with God. He saves us from sin. He saves us to communion with God. Do you see it? He doesn't just deliver us. He takes us somewhere. He doesn't just lead us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us to green pastures. Communion with God. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Again, I, I myself am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Let me just read that again. Again, it's very basic, which means it's very easy to miss. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me just as, there's the key phrase, the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Skip down to verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I received from my Father. What Jesus is saying here, if he were not fully God and fully man all at the same time, this would be total lunacy or total blasphemy. But it just so happens to be that Jesus, even though he's fully a human being, just like me and you, is fully God. God has eternally existed. Here's another thing that you can't do the Christian faith without, the Holy Trinity. God has eternally existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. Three persons, one God, three in one. And it's a mystery, but it's true, it's foundational. And so for all eternity, way before there was ever a before, and way after there's ever gonna be an after, God has existed as three in one. And for all time, the God the Father has poured out his love poured out his favor, poured out his affection on God the Son. Oh, Son, I love you. You're glorious. I favor you. And for all time, the Son has poured out his love to the Father. Oh, Father, I love you. Oh, Father, I favor you. And Father and Son in the Godhead have had an eternal, intimate communion. It's so basic, yet so complex, that we can't do Christianity without it, and our greatest theologians still can't quite figure it out. The love between the Father and the Son. In this place, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I know you. Okay, like a shepherd knows his sheep. Like the Father knows me, and I know the Father, that's how I know you, and that's how you're going to know me. Whoa. Jesus is inviting his sheep, that's us, God's people, into like cosmic, eternal, uncomprehendable, intimate communion with God. 
That means the Father, Son, and Spirit, the secret eternal party that they've shared, pouring out love and worship between the three, the inner glory of the Godhead, we are invited into. Back in the old days in the ancient Near East, sometimes shepherds, especially with bad weather, would bring their sheep into their home with their family to spend the night. Jesus is inviting us into his home, his love relationship with the Father. It's incredible. Further, he says, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for my sheep. Now we know that Jesus is, doesn't earn his Father's love. He's had it for all eternity. He would never need to earn it. He's always had it. So what does he mean when he says, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for my sheep? It's not that his action of going to the cross to lay down his life for us is enough to finally get the Father's attention. He already has it. What Jesus is saying is that his work, we call it his work, going to the cross to lay down his life for us is so connected to his identity with the Father that it's inseparable. So let's just do the math here. For all eternity, Jesus the Son has had intimate communion with God the Father. Jesus is calling us into communion with him and God the Father and God the Spirit. And in between is a moment where the shepherd lays his life down. We have intimate communion, intimate communion, and in between we have a cross. And that's the way it's been from all eternity. It's always been God's plan. It's always been part of who he is to lay his life down for us. That's why the apostle Peter once said that Jesus Christ was put to death by the hands of evil men that God determined before time it would happen. And that's why in Revelation it says that he's the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus doesn't just save us from our sin. He saves us into a kind of eternal life that's beyond our comprehension. Now, here's why this is important for our leadership. We so often get caught in this place where we think, especially as church people, that we need to get other folks, maybe encourage them or help them or invite them to give their life to Jesus, to believe that Jesus died for their sins so that they could be freed from their sin. And then after that, we kind of put Jesus on the shelf and then we just try to start teaching them good life principles. We teach them how to be responsible. We teach them how to vote. We teach them how to read the right books. We teach them how to pay their taxes, how to go to work in the morning. And if you're a really good leader, you teach people how to be just like you. And we think of Jesus's work as the shepherd as just really getting us in the door. And then after that, it's up to us to try to be good people. That's not the gospel. Jesus is the savior who saves us from sin and Jesus is the savior who saves us to life with God. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Colossians, he says, him, Jesus, Jesus is the one we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we could, as leaders, could present everyone mature in Christ. Do you want to know how you grow spiritually? 
Do you want to know how we become mature, how we lead people? By looking, it's, the answer is by looking to Jesus, the shepherd for salvation today, just like we did the first day of our faith. Do you see it? Okay, we're running out of time, so I'm going to give you the last thing. Jesus is the good shepherd. That means he's the savior. He saves us from sin. He saves us to intimate communion with God. And here's the last thing. Jesus is the savior who has the effective call. Jesus is the savior with the effective call. Look at verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. There'll be one flock and one shepherd. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus is standing there talking to God's people, the Jews. And we know that shortly after this, Jesus goes to the cross to lay his life down for the whole world. And we know that shortly after that, the Holy Spirit comes and opens up this invitation of salvation to all nations and all peoples. And everyone's invited to a new people of God. So when Jesus says to the Jewish leaders and the Jewish blind man who was just healed, I have sheep that are not of this fold, he's talking about us. Kids, did you know that you are in the Bible? That Jesus talks about you personally in the Bible? It's this verse. He says, I have sheep that are not of this fold. And then he says, they will listen to my voice. Today, we drive sheep, right? With horses and dogs and four-wheelers and helicopters and four trucks. We drive them. In the ancient Near East, shepherds didn't drive the sheep. You don't push them. You lead them. They follow you. And the way you get them to follow you is each shepherd had their own specific call. It was like some of them it was a word. Some it was a little song. Some of them had a little flute and they'd play a little tune. And each shepherd would teach their flock their specific call. And all the calls were different. And, they've, and even today in the Near East, this is how it's done. And they've done experiments where they would take the shepherd's clothes and maybe the shepherd's flute, if it was a flute, or the shepherd's word, and they would put them on somebody else, and somebody else would do the same call, play the same tune, even wear the same clothes, and try to call the sheep, and the sheep sit there and go, you're not my shepherd. Every shepherd has a unique call. Jesus says, my sheep, even the ones who aren't yet in the fold, they know my voice. They know my call. And when I call, they'll come. I read a story about a Bible scholar who went on a trip to Israel. And he was touring all these places in the Holy Land. But one of the most memorable parts of his trip was when he went out to uh, spend, I guess, spend the night, spend the weekend with a, a group of shepherds herding sheep. And I read how he told his story. They were out in the wilderness. And there were five different shepherds with five different flocks all staying in this one camp. So they were all out during the day and they'd come back into the camp at night and he noticed that all the sheep went into the same pen. And he thought, how's that gonna work? Are they branded like we have here in the West? He didn't know how it was gonna work. It was a little weird. All the sheep went in the same pen. Well, the next morning he wakes up early and there's all the sheep in the pen and he watches. As all five shepherds came out from their five different groups of tents, 
Now they all surrounded the corral in five points all around. And then when they, somebody gave the signal, they opened up the gate and all five shepherds started doing their call at the same time. One shepherd played a flute, one did a whistle, one yells a word, one sings a song. And the Bible scholar watched as all of a sudden heads started popping up in the sheep corral and the sheep started mixing all together. And all of a sudden, the sheep start coming out single file, and each sheep goes to his own shepherd. And then they went off in five directions to graze the pastures for the day. Jesus says, I know my own. Even the ones who aren't yet here, they know my voice. You know what this means for us as spiritual leaders? Us as a church in Portland that has big dreams for maybe how we can, how we can uh, do work to see God's kingdom come just as he's promised. You know what this means for us? This means that we need to stop thinking that if we do something really cool, or we wear the right clothes, or we have the best music, or if we get Pastor Charlie to come and preach awesome sermons, or if we have the best apologetics, or if we have the best arguments, or if we get people just in the right place, then finally people will see and they'll be convinced to follow Jesus. That's not how it's done. Jesus' sheep, even the ones who aren't here yet, know his voice. So if there's anything that we proclaim, if there's anything that we do, if there's anything that marks my sermons, if there's anything that we go out and talk to people about, it's all about amplifying the voice of Jesus. It's about speaking his message, pointing to him, not us. We have nothing to sell. Like Paul said, him we proclaim. So that's the lesson on spiritual leadership. We gotta stop looking to whatever to save us from our sins only Jesus. We got to stop looking to whatever to lead us into the good life, only Jesus. And we need to stop looking to whatever as our hope for getting more people in this room and more people worshiping God, only Jesus. You see it? In Psalm 95, 7, it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I want to invite you as we close, to think about your own life even. Have you heard his voice? Think about your own work as a, as a leader. If you're following Jesus, you're a leader. Everyone's a leader to somebody. Are you proclaiming his message, hearing his voice? Let's pray. Lord God, we um, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the good news in, in this story that we can understand as little kids and that we can spend the rest of eternity just in awe of its complex, glorious beauty. Lord, I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for hope. I pray that whatever happens tonight, whatever our relationship is going forward, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I pray that they would know you like you promised, just as you 
as Father, Son, and Spirit, and one another in the unity of the Godhead. Lord, I pray for this city. Would you pour out your blessing on this city? Would you call your sheep from the ends of the earth, from the ends of Portland? And Lord, would you help us in all things, all things to look to Jesus for salvation? It's in his name we pray. Amen.